Getting sober requires a lot more than mind over matter, a lot more than willpower. It's about leveraging the support around you. People in recovery typically need a mix of medical help, emotional support, and changes in lifestyle to manage their addiction, not just mental determination. As both a therapist and someone embracing the recovery lifestyle, there's one tool I always recommend to people needing extra accountability, Soberlink. Soberlink is a high-tech breath analyzer system designed to help you get and stay sober. And here's why I love it. You'll test the same day every day, eliminating testing anxiety. Friends and family receive instant test results, helping you rebuild trust and preventing relapse. Accountability is a part of that, and it's something to really be embraced. Devices have built-in facial recognition, so your support circle knows you're testing, and tamper-resistant sensors flag any attempts at trying to beat the system, so your sobriety is never questioned. So let 2024 be your best year yet. Visit Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M to sign up and receive $50 off your device. That's Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M. And let accountability be your guide. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Addicted Mind podcast. My name is Wayne Osterlin, and I'm your host. Our guest today is K.L. Wells, and she is going to talk about her project, Voices in Courage. So she shares her journey of being the loved one of many addicts and her journey of dealing with her son's addiction and the moments where she had to change, transmute her trauma and suffering to thrive. So she shares her journey on that and talks about her passion in helping others whose loved ones are struggling with addiction. It was great to have Kale Wells on the podcast. I love talking with her and can just feel her passion, her love, and in a way, her calmness and her transmuting of her own pain and suffering to be able to thrive. All right, let's go ahead and start this episode. All right, everyone, welcome to the Addicted Mind podcast. My guest today is K.L. Wells, and she's going to introduce herself and talk about Voices in Courage. I am thrilled to be with you today, Dwayne, so thank you for having me on. What do I want to say? I think right off the bat, I'm a mom, and I'm a businesswoman, and I have a 30-year-old son who is a recovering addict. Awesome. And through the course of my life, I have lived the generational story around addiction, um, starting with my mom, who was addicted to prescription medications. It was part of the thing they did back in those days. Then I had a brother who was addicted to cocaine and married an alcoholic 
and divorced and had my son out of that marriage. And then subsequently uh, remarried again, a recovering alcoholic of 28 years. So have been through the daughter of, the sister of, the wife of, and the mom of. So out of all of that experience, continue to push the envelope in terms of recreating the life that I was really inspired to live and have done a lot of work along those lines to continue to elevate and level up and create the next best version of myself on a continual basis through the years. So I think what really brought us to this conversation today was the most recent situations relative to my son's addiction. And that journey over the last five years has been extraordinary in both the ups and the downs. So that gives you a little bit of background. So your life just really impacted by addiction and all around you. Mm -hmm. You're not struggling with addiction yourself, but it impacting you coming in from all these different directions and seeing it from that perspective. And I, I think it's great that you're here to be able to to talk about that because that's another side of addiction. You know, we do a lot of talking about the person who struggles with addiction and, but there's all the residual out there that sometimes gets missed. Absolutely. Well, and in my own journey, um, relative to my son, most recently, I was kind of left to kind of cobble together things that would serve in the situations that we were dealing with, with him. And I thought, okay, well, there's a, there's a vacuum here that needs to be filled because the loved ones are dealing with this. Well, we don't have a sponsor, <laughs> right, you know, right, we yeah. don't have a, a group every week. Now, obviously there's Al-Anon out there and I tried Al-Anon and that was not a good fit for me. Right, so, right. you know, I was left to cobble together again, resources, people build a community do a lot of learning and continue to figure out and under better understand this disease. And then how do I, as a mom, elevate to thriving in the midst of this chaos and desperation and shattered dreams and all that swirls around a child's addiction? So that's how Voices and Courage really got born, was out of me continuing to lean into the question, what are the gifts and lessons embedded in this experience for me? And what is this experience here to teach me? And I really continued to lean in and still continue to lean into those questions to embrace the fact that I really do believe that life is, it shows up for us. It just doesn't happen to us. And out of those two major beliefs and questions, Voices and Courage was born. As you were talking, I, I had this thought because you said, you know, that these things had lessons and gifts. How, how could I get the benefit from these struggles? Mm-hmm. And how could I how could I make them mean something? Right. I'd love to understand like where that mindset itself comes from. I would generally say I'm a huge learner. So, and I've been on that path since I was a preteen. So, you know, I did Tony Robbins back in the 1990s. I've done a whole bunch of things since then. 
I am a voracious reader. And so out of listening to so many different people and studying so many different people, there are these mindsets and beliefs that absolutely undergird thriving in the midst of chaos. I mean, Viktor Frankl's you know, man's search for meaning and so on and so forth. And so I have leaned in and embraced that belief and studied people who have been successful in rising above the traumas, the tragedies, the, what you would consider, consider terrible things that have happened in their lives and actually pulled it forward to, I really do believe that pain pushes until vision pulls. And this was an experience for me that elevated me in, into a space that I don't know that anything else could have as much as my son's addiction. Yeah, it was extraordinarily catalytic and powerful in me stepping up my game. And I remember very early on thinking, okay, I have to step my game up because, you know, I'm a business coach, I'm a business consultant, I have a thriving practice. I have a marriage that I love, I, you know, I have this great life. And in the midst of it, the, you know, this boulder got dropped in that shook everything up. And I thought, okay, this is here for a purpose larger than I might not even realize at this point, but I'm going to lean into what is the purpose in my life that's meant to emerge from this. And so that's how I approached the whole thing. And so it was this moment in your your life, seeing your son struggle with addiction, mm -hmm. that really was the catalyst to really push forward, to yes. really like dig into that yes. mindset that it sounds like you already had mm -hmm. partially, probably it sounds like from a lot of your leadership and because I think when you're you're a business leader, you have to have some of that mindset. You have to be able Absolutely. to take some of those problems and mm -hmm. just say, okay, what are we going to learn from this? Right. But it sounds like your son really, that experience really pushed you forward. My take on it is, is that when you have a child who is suffering with the disease that could kill him or her, it has a catalytic impact on us as parents, like nothing else can. And I personally, you know, have done a lot of sweat lodges and work in Native American spirituality. And I had always had on my list of things to do a vision quest experience. And I think it would have still stayed on my list if it hadn't been for Sam. So right. that was one of the major gifts that came out of that. It was a nine month process that was life changing and life altering. And it gave me the space and the tribe and the coaching and the mentoring in order to really dig in and be with this experience from the worst of the lows in terms of crying and, and losing it and just navigating my own chaos in it my own shattered dreams of who I thought my son was and reconfiguring all of this and then reconfiguring myself. Who was I going to become out of this experience? So I, I talk about, you know, loving each person through their unfolding. And I really needed to start with loving myself first through my own unfolding in this experience before I could really lean into love Sam through his unfolding and allow for his journey 
to be what it was meant to be while healthily loving him. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Can you talk a little bit about that pain? Because I think, you know, people out there want to understand that part of it, where it's such a, there's that moment, that catalyst, that that shift. You're like, I love that statement, what you said earlier, you know, pain pushes until vision pulls. I absolutely love that. Can you talk a little bit about the pain pushing and what that was like and what was happening and... Well, Dwayne, there there were two defining moments. One was about three years ago when Sam was arrested at gunpoint, and I happened to be there. And in that experience, it was extraordinarily traumatic for me to watch my son be, you know, arrested at gunpoint, put on the ground. He was yelling at me to basically save him in the midst of it. It was a very emotional, very traumatic oh my God, everything shifted in that moment. Every dream I had for him shattered. And just gone. It, it poof, just gone in a heartbeat. And it was devastating in a way that I think is hard to describe, except for it feels like my heart actually imploded. I could viscerally feel my heart break. Wow. And so in that moment, in that cracking open, so to speak, I also intellectually knew enough to know that this was meant to be for me. And so, you know, obviously in those moments, you know, I gave all the police information, so on and so forth. And then I went up to my hotel room. I was with my partner and absolutely, completely dropped to my knees and just dissolved and was inconsolable. And I also know enough to know that that's the place where you have to go. You have to give yourself permission to completely dissolve and let the emotions work through you because they will and be present for what you're experiencing emotionally. And so that was very, that was a profound moment for me. The second moment was actually three days later. This was a Saturday in which the arrest took place. This was a following Tuesday. I am walking into a corporate meeting with a company that I work with, with the executive team. And I very quickly realized, okay, the CEO is not there. And the executive team, the energy was really off. And they very quickly told me that the CEO's son had passed away from an overdose on Saturday evening. Oh, my goodness. So at the same time this CEO lost her son, I witnessed my son being arrested. Wow. So the thing that one of the things I learned in that moment was I was able to hold myself in composure and hold the space for that executive team because they were in shock. They were in grief. They knew this boy. They did not know how to support the CEO who had to leave the country to retrieve her son's body. And I was able to be present and everything that they needed in that moment 
while I personally had had my own trauma three days earlier. So what I learned in that moment was the things that I did for myself mattered. Right. And I needed to codify it. I needed to get it down and actually walk through in a written way and in a way that captured, okay, what actually did I do to be able to go from Saturday to Tuesday and then hold the space? When I hear you talking, I just hear so much resilience flowing mm-hmm. through you and, and what you just said. I think it sounded like you saw that resilience yes, and you were able to say, I've, I've got to put this down in a way that I can help other people because this is so incredibly painful to witness yeah. the people you love, your children mm-hmm. in such suffering. Yes. Yeah. Yes. There's nothing quite like that. Yeah. And I am certainly, I mean, the statistics are so overwhelming at this point. And clearly in the midst of COVID, with all the numbers just skyrocketing in terms of overdoses and relapses and, you know, addiction going up and alcoholism going up and abuse going up and all of the all of the things that are the big red flags that signal that we are sick. We're in a pandemic of proportions we've never seen before. And so I knew that out of this experience, how I chose to rise was going to matter. Yeah. Not just for yeah. myself and my family and the people that I work with and lead, also for actually, quite frankly, the world. Yeah. To ha- to have that resilience to to yeah. move through it, to overcome it. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like, you know, and I'm just making this up and I don't know if this is <laughs> accurate, but I, I'm just hearing your own, you know, your own brief story of your childhood and having to go through all of that, witnessing all of that and mm-hmm. building that resiliency to look at these hardships as challenges to be overcome, to learn from, to grow, really builds that incredible resiliency to to be there for yourself, mm-hmm. in essence of what you said, you know, I had to love myself, mm-hmm. and then also to expand that to others. Yes, yeah, and I really think about it as transcending and including. I don't necessarily frame it in terms of overcoming it as much as I think about it as transmuting it into service. I I like that. I like that Mm -hmm. statement. I love that clarification too, because I, Mm -hmm. I I think that's an important clarification because that is so true. When we, when we really have these hardships in our life, we really do have to, yeah, transmute them, make them into something different, go through them. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. not just overcoming. No. And I, you know, and I, I, my general belief is that we are on the planet to serve. And so our, all of our life experiences are building blocks to service. And, you know, I've continued throughout the course of my career to lean into all the things that have inspired me to learn and all the stretching and growing and challenging myself and, and so on and so forth without really knowing until recently what all this was in service of, of. And now I know. Um, And so it's it's that life journey of suspending what you think, you know, so that you can be building the blocks and eventually it will will reveal itself to you. 
And so, you know, now I am in my calling while I still do my coaching and, and business consulting and so on and so forth, which I totally love. So, yes. And, and I was going to say that part where you were talking about, you know, just melting down and giving, giving into the, the grief, the loss, all of those feelings and how I think a lot of times we can get stuck when we're in a way terrified to go there, if that makes sense. It's like, mm-hmm. it's so scary that maybe we'll be overwhelmed. Maybe we will just melt away and disappear. Yes. But realizing that, you know, that's almost the space we have to go to realize we can come back and we can live. Yes. Well, I mean, we're human beings and we have a full component of emotions and sadness and grief is part of life. Yeah. And we, you know, culturally, we have been trained to suck it up and drive on. And, you know, I was part of that training early on. And I went and got a master's degree in counsel, guidance and counseling and began to really kind of embrace the notion that my highs were actually predicated on my lows. And so when the lows would come and the traumas would come, which there have been many, I would absolutely lean in and embrace and thank them. I can remember times when I would be absolutely inconsolable and still thanking my higher spirit, God, whatever you want to call it, for being able to feel at that depth. Yeah. And I really do believe that we have to learn to allow ourselves to feel. I think that's one of the things that's going on here is we're so stuck. And generally speaking, we're trying to medicate ourselves into not feeling. Holy crap. <laughs> I, I I totally agree. I, I think there's this process of learning that your feelings aren't going to destroy you. They they're not going to kill you. But you know, for whatever reasons, we're taught that get rid of them. Don't feel them. If you feel them, you're going to you're going to die, disappear, be overwhelmed, non-functional. And being able to embrace them, you get the mm-hmm. depth. Mm-hmm. You get the the vibrancy, even through these painful emotions of life. Absolutely. Well, and I mean, I did not grow up with parents that emoted. Um, right. My dad was a World War II veteran, Marines. He ended up, you know, becoming a minister, but he was very emotionally distant from me, from what I remember. Very supportive of me in terms of school and sports and all sorts of things like that. But I could not like have a really in-depth conversation with him. And my mom was taking care of my brother who was ill as a child and in her own stuff. And so I literally in high school remember going to a child abuse class for child development and sitting there thinking, I've got to learn. I've got to teach myself how to feel. Right. Yeah. I've got to teach myself how to connect with people in an authentic, genuine, feeling way. And so my path really was learning how to be present in a genuine, authentic way in my own life. And so, I mean, that's quite an undertaking, actually. And, uh, and I'm sure I'm not done. However, I started with intention and focus at a pretty young age um, and, and have been working my way through all of this. So 
the experience with my son was, I think, one of the capstones, um, seminal, seminal, seminal moments that kicked me into kind of a stratosphere that I had not experienced before. Wow. Wow. So let's, let's talk about Voices in Courage and mm -hmm. how through all of this, this came to be. Well, I, I kept, again, leaning into the question, what are the gifts and lessons embedded in this? And as I did my research and read books and looked at documentaries and, you know, checked Google, I couldn't find a place that I could call home, so to speak, in terms of a community. And the resources that I needed, I had to go find myself. And I thought, okay, there's a vacuum here that needs to be filled for loved ones because there are so many of us. Um, right. It shouldn't be this hard to find books that resonate with us, you know, all the things that I did from a learning perspective and a mindset that supports thriving. I, I wasn't just about surviving this. I was about thriving in the midst of this chaos. And I wasn't finding people that were talking about it that way. I heard more of the trauma and drama stories and that's not where I wanted to reside. Right. So right. out of all of that uh, last fall, I got a hold of somebody I had met through business. He's a digital strategist. And I said, this is what I'm up to. Do you want to help? And he's like, sure. And so that's when it started. We started doing interviews. And, um, and then I got a hold of another friend of mine out of California who was a brand marketing strategist. And I said, this is what I'm up to. Do you want to help? And he's like, sure. And so I just started touching my tribe that right. I had picked up along the years of the people that I knew were good fits, value, core, core value-wise for me. And we began to talk about how, how could we be of service at a level that would, would have magnitude and import. And so out of that, Voices and Courage was born, and we're still putting it together. The idea is for a launch in the fall where we'll have membership. Um, we'll have a site where people can go to in terms of getting book lists and reviews of books and reviews of documentaries and some of the writings that I have done and video trainings that I have done. So there'll be online training and then there'll also be group coaching and individual coaching that will complement all of this. And then quite frankly, we will let the tribe, you know, organically help us move this forward in a way that serves. So we're open to the flexibility of co-creating this. Right. So really, it sounds like taking all your expertise that comes from the challenge, but your own experience and putting it into a place to build a, a really strong community for others. And I, and I think so much community is so important in this healing process. There's so many lessons that we all learn that we can all share with each other that then help. But sometimes when you're in that crisis and you're lost and you, you don't know what to do, you don't know where to go. And, you know, having a place where you can kind of collect and then connect. Yes. I mean, I, I really do see us as almost like a mad organization that becomes the place where people come uh, because they, right. they know to come here. And 
having a safe community. I mean, 95% of our success or failure is predicated on the community that we surround ourselves with. Now, I've taught this forever in terms of business, and I wrote a book about creating a powerful community and so on and so forth. And it is just as true, quote, in real life as it is in business. And so having a community that is, will have your back, that you are emotionally safe in, you can be raw and real um, because you need to be raw and real through this experience to actually embrace it and again, transmute it for yourself so that it actually serves your journey. Right. To make uh, meaning out of our suffering. Yes. And doing Absolutely. that in community. Yes. And yes. I, th I think that's just such a big part of it because I think there's such a big chunk of when we have difficult emotions or difficult pain mm -hmm. and other people can reflect back to us that they understand us. Yes. That in of itself can be so healing. It's one of the top human needs is to be heard, like yeah. really heard. And we're not trained to do this yeah. as a society, as a culture, as actually a world. And so to be able to have a space where you actually feel heard on a multitude of layers and levels and that people get you and they've walked that path and they have come out the other side, so to speak, healthy and thriving and still navigating. We need more people like that to help lead the way. Right, right. We all do. Yes, we, we have to have that. And that's mm -hmm. how that's how we thrive. So I, I love seeing community grow. I, I love seeing these kind of things take place mm -hmm. because I know that people are going to go and they're going to heal and transmute, like you said, mm -hmm. their suffering. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I don't know if you're familiar, but there was a book written back in the 90s called The Paradigm Conspiracy. Um, mm -hmm. It was actually supported by Hazleton. And it's the comparative contrast culturally between two, two paradigms. One is power over and control of, which we are very steeped in right now, globally. Uh, and the other one is soul honoring. And I have been on the leading edge, so to speak, of soul honoring my entire career. The example that they used was the Iroquois Confederacy which was birthed out of the near annihilation of the Northeast tribes at that time. And I honestly believe that we are recreating that right now. We are on the precipice of annihilating ourselves. And yeah. addictions and all the things that are swirling around all of this are the big red flag that's, that is being raised to get our attention. And so I, I see myself as one of the points of light, so to speak, one of the leverage points to continue to move us in the direction of getting back to soul honoring and right. who, who, who we really are. And so there's a larger purpose in this for me, as you can see. Yeah, I totally get that. There is a way of being that brings our best selves, our purpose, our, if you want to call it love, spirit, Mm -hmm. to the world where we all really want to be. And when we're not there, I think that's where addiction, pain and suffering thrive. Yes. You know, and, and recreate themselves over and over again. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's so painful to watch. So thank you so much for bringing your, your wisdom here. I love to ask this question before we end. Okay. If maybe someone out there is listening and they have loved ones who are struggling with addiction or in a similar place that you were, mm-hmm. what, what would you want to tell them? What would be the one thing you would want to say to them? Ask for help. Ask for help. I love it. You don't have yeah. to do it alone. We don't never have to do it alone. I mean, when my brother was dealing with cocaine, uh, he, we, I put him in a hospital, but it wasn't talked about, you know, we are in a really different time now. And there are resources, there are people, more and more people are dealing with this. It's like, you know, you used to be able to, well, you, you still say, there's nobody that you don't know that doesn't know somebody who has cancer. Well, there's nobody that you know now that doesn't have an addiction. So true. So well um, said. Absolutely. So ask for help. Ask for help. Awesome. Where can people find you, find more information about you? How can they get a hold of you? Um, go to voicesincourage.com and you can sign up to, you know, get some information and contact us if you need help. And everything is driving towards a fall launch of resources and community and so on and so forth. But um, in the meantime, we will absolutely reach back out to you and find out how we can be of service and help. Awesome. I will put all those links on the addictedmind.com and they'll be there. Thank you, KL Wells, for coming coming on the, the podcast and, and sharing your story and your wisdom. Thank you, Dwayne. This, this was great. I appreciate you. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Addicted Mind podcast. As usual, all the show notes will be at theaddictedmind.com. So check them out there. And if you are enjoying The Addicted Mind, please rate and review us on iTunes. That does help people find the podcast and get this very helpful information and support. And if you want to continue the conversation, you can join our Facebook group. Just go to Facebook and type in the Addicted Mind podcast, click join and continue the conversation online there. All right, everyone, have a wonderful rest of your day and I will talk to you on the next episode. It's easy to blame ourselves for our struggles with alcohol. We see people around us being able to control their drinking without any consequences, yet no matter what we try, we can't seem to figure it out for ourselves. My name is Jillian Teets, and I am the host of the Sober Powered Podcast, where I use my biochemistry background to explain the latest research in addiction and help you understand both why you drink the way you do and how to develop the skills and mindset you need to find freedom from alcohol. I discuss topics like why we think about our drinking 24-7, why we have no off switch, and why we crave alcohol. If you're struggling with your drinking or you know someone who is, then I hope that you will check out the Sober Powered Podcast. New episodes every Friday. See you there.